0: Welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, where our goal is to encourage, educate, and empower parents who are raising exceptional children. Join me as we dive into the real and raw of living an unordinary life. Hey everybody, welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, episode number five. I am your host, Gina, and I would just like to thank you all for your support over the past month. I know a lot of you have been tuning in regularly, and I so appreciate your feedback. This week, we are going to tackle a tough topic. When is enough enough? If you are the parent of a child with exceptional needs and your child is in school, I'm going to go ahead and guess that this question has come to the forefront of your mind on several occasions. Where is that line in the sand? What incident is that tipping point where you decide enough is enough and you gather the IEP team, or if you're not even to the point yet where you have an IEP team, you gather those charged with educating your child to come up with a plan where they can be adequately educated in an environment that is respectful and supportive. So this is a pretty heavy topic, and we can go in all sorts of directions with this very question, when is enough enough? So let's start with IDEA, or the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, Purpose Section 1400, and in parentheses, a lowercase d. The main purposes are to ensure that all children with disabilities have available to them a free appropriate public education that emphasizes special education and related services designed to meet their unique needs and prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living, and to ensure that the rights of children with disabilities and parents of such children are protected. Okay, so let's break that down. We are talking about Free Appropriate Public Education, or FAPE, which we have talked about on here before. In order to determine what FAPE is for an individual child, they will need an evaluation. If your child has a disability or is showing deficits in areas of school and maybe their disability isn't even diagnosed yet, you have the right to request an initial evaluation. By law, the school also has the responsibility to identify children who may have a disability. Child find. If your child is struggling in school and the interventions that have been put in place are not helping the situation, they are not increasing their ability they should be suggesting your child receive an evaluation. Let me be very clear about this. Response to intervention is not a reason to delay an evaluation. They can happen at the same time. In fact, they should happen at the same time. If your child is struggling and they have supports in place, but those supports are not leading to an increase in their academic abilities, they need an evaluation. And I would say this is one of those areas where enough is enough. If your child is struggling in a specific subject, multiple subjects, and they are not making adequate progress, please request an evaluation. I have heard on many occasions there are specific metrics that must be in place. The child must be X amount of years behind. That is not okay. Your child is entitled to a free and appropriate public education, okay? So if they are struggling and they have spent an entire year in an RTI or multiple tiered support system program, They need an evaluation. We cannot inevitably delay this evaluation and try all these different tiers of supports and find a child two or three years behind their peers because we felt we had to follow some sort of metric system before we were even allowed to evaluate. So let's put that into perspective. Here's a little stat for you. If a child cannot read proficiently by third grade, they face daunting hurdles to success in school and beyond. So if we're going to bank on this system of a child must be two years behind before they qualify for any sort of evaluation and services, we're putting these kids at probably somewhere in the second grade. So if we are two grade levels behind in the second grade, we're gonna just say we're at the kindergarten level. And if we're not reading proficiently by third grade, our future success is going to be significantly impacted. We're not providing very much time to catch up. To me, the obvious question is always, what am I missing? Why is this child not grasping on to the reading concepts, the math concepts, the writing concepts, What is preventing them from making adequate progress toward being proficient? I am much more in favor of a system that preemptively evaluates than waits until it is too late. What if you give this child an evaluation and you find, oh, wait a minute, here, here's a deficit. Maybe you're just not seeing it. Perhaps you feel that they are just not willing to put in the work or they're not working hard enough or they're defiant. Look into the reason why the child is not grasping the concepts. So I fully understand that today's classrooms are full. There's too many students in a classroom for just one teacher. But how are we going to work around that roadblock? Here is another example of where enough is enough. As a parent, you know your child best. We have discussed that you are the expert on your child. So if you see a repeated pattern of an area in which your child is showing deficits, for example, I always use writing. If your child has homework And they come home and this is an assignment that should take 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And two hours later, your child is still working on that assignment. There's likely something going on, okay? Your child might kind of be a wallflower in the classroom. They might not act out. They might not make any noise. They might not ask questions. They might just silently kind of sit there and just get by, but you, when you are at home with your child trying to work on their homework and you notice this repeated pattern of struggle, your intuition, your gut is probably telling you something is not right here. That is the time to call in your child's team, your child's teachers, administrators, whatnot. Call that team in and say, I have some concerns. I would like to talk about these concerns with you. Maybe they have noticed some of the same struggles at school. Maybe they haven't. But either way, the conversation needs to take place. The longer we ignore this or brush it under the rug will cause your child's frustration level to greatly increase and they will have a difficult time catching up. Let's talk the flip side though. Perhaps your child is far from a wallflower. Perhaps they are in class and they are not doing their work or they are acting out or they are getting visibly frustrated and upset. Those are clues, people. Those are clues that something is not right. And we need to be open-minded and listen to those cues. As I have said before, I truly feel that there is nothing worse than a misunderstood child. And I feel very, very passionately about this because I, in my brief experience talking to people in a year's time, have heard so many stories of children who have needs that have gone undiagnosed and they are crushed. Their self-esteem is crushed. Their belief in themselves is crushed. They are misunderstood. How many children are sitting in classrooms all over this country that are not appropriate? How many children are placed in behavior disorder programs because they quote unquote act out, but the reason they're acting out is because they don't have the skills to perform what is being asked of them. How many children have wonderful futures ahead of them, but their opportunities are crushed in elementary school because their needs have gone undiagnosed for so long that they have given up? How many of these kids get to high school and say, screw it, I'm done, and drop out? We are failing our kids if we are not properly identifying their needs. So if you're a parent of one of these children and you feel that the school is just not listening to you, you have reached your point where enough is enough. Request that initial evaluation. If that initial evaluation request is denied, do not give up. Parents are very intuitive. We know when there is something going on with our child. We are the experts and schools are just overloaded right now. I get it. I get that teachers are overloaded. Administrators are overloaded. So please take the parent's input and place some serious value in that input. These are our children. Our ultimate goal as a parent is to see our child grow up to be a successful thriving adult. We do not want our children to be crushed at the ripe old age of six, seven, eight, nine. We don't want to see them crushed and watch their future unravel because the system has failed them. We've talked a lot about academics in this podcast thus far, but let's talk about this very important point. Education performance is not only academics. It is not just academics. IDEA and the regulations clearly established that the determination about whether a child is a child with a disability is not limited to information about the child's academic performance. There are other domains in which a child may have a deficit. It might be communication. It might be... Behavior, it might be socialization. So if you have concerns about your child in various areas outside of academics, please, please bring those up to your child's educational team. On countless, countless occasions, I have heard parents say, well, I've brought some concerns to my child's teacher and the rebuttal is there are no academic concerns. Their test scores are great. They're passing their classes. That's great, guys. But you know what? There's a lot more to a person than just their test scores. One area that is often overlooked is socialization. There are several conditions that impede one's ability to appropriately socialize with their peers. ADHD, autism, Tourette syndrome, the list goes on. So if we have these children who might perform just fine academically, but struggle making friends or struggle with appropriate responses or personal space, those are deficits and those deficits need to be addressed. Our system is so focused on academic performance that we often miss the whole child. We miss all of those areas that don't include academic performance. How many children out there are bullied and picked on repeatedly because of their lack of social skills? How many children in our schools feel isolated and alone because they lack social skills? This is an area that we need to hyper-focus in on. We have many, many children out there who struggle socially. They need to be supported. Their social skill levels need to be evaluated. We need to know where their skills are lacking so that we can help them improve their relationships with their peers so that they can go on and have a nice bright future. Socialization is key to future success. We need to know how to interact with other people. Is it okay if your child has deficits? For sure, my son definitely does, but that doesn't mean that I don't think in the future he'll be successful. We just need to understand some basic social skills. Creating an IEP that addresses those deficits and creates a plan to model and improve those social skills is imperative for future growth. IDEA is complicated. It is a lengthy law, but it provides many protections for both the child and the parents. So this brings us to the pressing question of when is enough enough? I've posed this question to my tribe and I've gotten some great responses that might help you in your journey with your child. Melody shared that her tipping point was when she saw her son being treated as less, less deserving, less capable, etc. It's not okay. He is plenty capable, plenty deserving. He is enough and in many ways more. Erin shares that the administration within the district she resides in outright knew they were breaking the law and didn't care when she addressed it with them. When one person thought they could trump the whole IEP team's decision and they still think it's okay. These are prime examples of reasons why parents get to the point of saying enough is enough. These are our children. We are the primary investors in their future. We want our children to be part of a system that places value in providing them with the appropriate placement, the appropriate services, the appropriate educational plan to help them learn, to help them thrive, to help them overcome and adapt. We want our children to be resilient. We want our children to have a future that they can take the skills that they have learned, their talents that they have been given, and pursue their passions as adults. Truth be told, we just want our kids to be given a fair shot. So what was our family's tipping point? What was our line in the sand? I had to contemplate this question for a little while, and I jotted down some notes Because for us, this was a situation that spiraled and spiraled and spiraled to the point where we knew we could no longer subject our younger son to this environment any longer. And if I look back on everything, it started pretty quickly after we started his kindergarten year. And basically what it comes down to is a lack of understanding by the educational team the unwillingness to listen and to be open to suggestions and chronic inflexibility. When our son has unique needs, and especially those needs that come with Tourette syndrome, people have to be flexible. His educational team did not understand Tourette. It was my job to educate them as much as possible, and I took that job And I did my best to present them with the information that I thought they needed in order to understand our son and to provide him with an environment that was supportive and respectful. Unfortunately, the majority of that information was not used. It felt like the classic case of in one ear and out the other. Time and time again, we would get phone calls from the school about our son Time and time again, we would have to come and pick him up from school because his needs were not met. He was mishandled. And as time went on, our son's anxiety level continued to climb and climb and climb. He was shamed. He was treated inappropriately. He was backed into corners. And by the time it was all said and done, He was showing signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. You may think that this sounds kind of extreme, but I'm going to give you an example of what exactly life was like here. Upon pulling our son from school, we still had two others that were in the school. So I had to take them every day. I would take them and I would pick them up. Every morning, I would try to get the kids out the door and my younger son would refuse to get in my car. He would cry. He would say, "No, nope, I'll just stay here, mom. I'm good. But I couldn't leave him at home. And so he would get in the car with no shoes on in pajamas. He would absolutely refuse to put shoes on or a coat or anything. He would stay in his pajamas and not get dressed. And this went on until we eventually pulled our other kids from school. The moment we got home home, from dropping the kids off at school, he would immediately go in and get dressed. What is this telling you? What is this behavior telling you? It is telling you that he is not trusting, that I am really not sending him to school. So it was kind of a move of survival of the fittest. And if he didn't have shoes on and he was in pajamas and he had no coat, surely I wouldn't be dropping him off at the school. Does this sound like typical behavior of a seven-year-old? Absolutely not. This was the direct result of a child who was put in an environment day in and day out where his needs were not being met and forced to do things he was not capable of doing and punished for not doing those things. This was a misunderstood child. And now it is up to us to undo the damage that has occurred from him attending the school. We are one family, and our story is certainly not an easy one. But I hear this from people all over the country. Their children are treated without respect. They are not treated with respect, people. These are kids They have needs, they have disabilities. They should be afforded the right to go to school and be treated with respect. We as the parents should also be treated with respect. When our child is part of the special education program, and we are a part of an IEP team, it is of utmost importance for our voices to be heard. I think that that was probably one of the most frustrating parts of this experience for us. No matter how many times we would share information with the team regarding our son's condition and the co-occurring conditions that came along with it, no one would listen. We would receive emails documenting what happened that day, what behaviors he exhibited, what he refused to do. And if I could have a dollar for every time I had repeated myself saying, this is part of his disability, you cannot punish him for his disability. Did you know that you cannot discipline a disability out of a person? Seriously, you can't. So we need to be flexible. Our education system needs an overhaul. We need the expectation to be that we can send our children to school. They will be well taken care of and they will be educated appropriately. I don't want to have to continue to hear the stories from family after family after family about the mistreatment of their child. We cannot accept A behavior program as a melting pot for all children we don't know what to do with. This seems to be a trend that is very disturbing to me. Countless people that I work with through the parent empowerment groups have children in a behavior disorder program. They don't belong in a behavior disorder program. Their needs aren't met in a behavior disorder program. They have a disability. They have lagging skills. They lack certain skills. They need to have an appropriate education plan that addresses their needs. They don't need sticker charts, rewards. They don't need that stuff. They need an understanding team that can help them achieve their goals. They need a team that treats them like a human being, with dignity, with respect, without shame, They need a support system that can help them attain their goals, become successful at school and have the emotional stability to make it through the day. And that emotional stability comes when people listen, when a child feels heard, when they understand that they aren't going to be forced to do something that they cannot do That is when a child will be emotionally stable enough to make it through the day. Fight or flight is a real thing. And if you feel threatened day in and day out, you're going to fight. That's just how it works. And to program a child's brain to be constantly in this fight or flight mentality is doing damage to that child So, this is a pretty heavy episode, and how do you know when enough is enough? You know your child. You have to watch your child. When your child is hanging their head, and they are having massive anxiety about attending school, when they are acting out, those are all signs that something needs to change. And as a parent, you're going to have to be the one to take the lead on that. I know it can be intimidating to sit in a room full of people tasked to teach your child, but you have to do it. You have to share what you're seeing. You have to share your concerns. And you have to be sure that that team gets on board and tries to figure out what is going on, what are the deficits, what are we missing, and what kind of a plan can we create that is appropriate. What kind of services can we provide that are appropriate? What kind of goals can we devise that are appropriate? How can we get this child on the right path? How can we encourage them? How can we use their skills and their interests and their talents to help prepare them for their future? These children are going to grow up and be adults. It is our hope that they can grow up and be successful adults, but they cannot do that if they are beaten down and not appropriately serviced while they're in school. So if you are listening to this and you're kind of envisioning your child as the child who is hanging their head down low and who has no self-esteem and who comes home often emotionally spent after a day at school. What are you going to do? When are you going to draw that line in the sand and say, enough is enough? You have to be the advocate for your child, and you have to know deep down inside that something needs to change. I'm sure that there are plenty of you out there who actually have good experiences at school, I wish that I could say that we were among that group, but the fact of the matter is we were not. And so it's my job, it's my purpose to be that voice. It's my job to encourage you to be courageous and get out there and call that meeting and bring your concerns to the table and share with that team that you feel your child needs an evaluation. They need a reevaluation. They need a better plan. They need other services. You have to be that voice. And please don't feel intimidated. And please don't feel like you're being an over-the-top parent. And please don't be ashamed. This is just your life. This is what you have to do. You have a person who's counting on you to be their voice. And my job is to encourage you to learn all you possibly can about how IDEA works. How does the special education system work? How does it protect your child? What are your parent rights? That's my job. And so if you find yourself lost, you can always, always reach out to me. My contact information is on our website. The website is www.parentempowermentgroups.com. You can get a hold of me. I can help you. And so my goal is to help parents over the summer really think about what their children's needs are. Are their children being successful at school? Does something need to change for them? Do you need to explore if there are some unrecognized deficits so that when your children return to school, they can be set up for success? Nothing, nothing could be more frustrating for a child than to be put in an environment where they fail. We don't like to fail. They don't want to fail. They're children. They want to learn. They want to go to school and be successful. They want to have great peer relationships. They want to feel good about themselves. And it is our job to help them get to that point. I would love to hear some of your stories about what is your tipping point. Where do you draw the line in the sand? Because I would like to follow up with that on our Facebook page and our Instagram feed. So, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you've taken something away from this discussion. Please do not be afraid to reach out. If you have that little inkling inside of your mind that, geez, I think that I might need to do something, please do it. You have to do it. You can do it. Thank you for joining me on Exceptionally Unordinary. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next Thursday.